Howdy. What's going on? Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. It is heard live every day, by the way, from noon until 3 on WBT Radio in Charlotte. And if you want exclusive content, invitations to events, the weekly live stream, my daily show prep with links, become a patron. Go to the PeteCallanerShow.com. This podcast is also supported by North Carolina businesses, so please consider supporting them. Try not to skip through their short ad. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to get every episode for free right to your smartphone or tablet. And thanks so much for your support. Teachers Union. Okay, hang on. Uh, Dave. Dave says, Pete, please tell your callers to quit using phrases such as, you know, I mean, and like. It makes them sound as if they don't know what they are talking about. They need to get a solid thought in their heads and practice enunciating it if they have to. Well, like, I mean, you know, Dave, uh, I mean, like, come on. Um, <laughs> This is... Gregory says, DNC dumps Mark Elias. Big if true. I am sure he'll be uh, still be popping up at the state-level party and organization. Still cause for celebration if true. It does appear to be true. Is it Punchbowl News? I think is that's uh, Washington Post, right? Um, but he is still going to be affiliated with and working for like five other Democrat aligned groups. It's just it's just the DNC. Um, Stan says so. Proclaiming Hunter Biden's actions a benefit for our country and that he's a double agent is not half baked or not fully cooked, but barely cooked. You guessed if the conversation was worth it at the end, and I wanted to let you know that it definitely was, as it showed what we are up against if we want our country to resemble anything like we've known it to be going forward. All right, so. In defense of Dean, this does not happen very often. (laughs) So in defense of caller Dean, I said this after the, uh, after uh, we let Dean uh, go along with his day. And during the break, I said, I'm not sure if that was a bit. I'm not sure if Dean was trying to engage in a laugh. If he was, if he was trying to spin a yarn. Because it kind of sounded like what I do sometimes, where I start telling a story and people think it's really true, and then it just kind of goes off the rails, and then therein lies the joke that the whole thing was just absurd, right? Or like some of my ideas, my solutions, most famously the cardipult. Um, you know, people sometimes think I'm being serious when I say I'm going to take this uh, uh, this trebuchet, I'm going to set them up on the interstate, uh, going uh, to Asheville, and so everybody who comes to uh, to visit Asheville, they would drive over this trebuchet, and it would fling them up and over the city, so all of their money would fall out of the vehicle because it's flipping over, you know, and all the money falls out, lands in the city, so they get the money, but they don't have to have any of the tourists because they hate tourists, by the way, in case you did not know that. The people in Asheville, they hate tourists. They do. They hate tourists. They want your money, but they don't want you. And so I came up with this cardipult idea so as to get the tourist money without the tourists. And uh, I never did figure out the landing part. That was always sort of, that was like the black box. But anyway, uh, people thought that that was a serious solution I was offering. And I feel like there's a peek behind the curtain. It's not totally 100% serious, okay? I feel like a magician divulging the, the, the way the trick is done. But in case you were not aware, that wasn't a totally 100% serious suggestion, solution. Okay. We were just having a little bit of fun, a little bit of a joke. And I almost wonder if that's what Dean was attempting with that Hunter Biden 
theory that he was spinning out there? Not sure. Oh, speaking of crazy uh, theories, um, forward North Carolina, and I don't see a lot of their garbage anymore because uh, they blocked me a long time on the Twitter machine a long time ago. Um, but they have been advancing over the last uh, week or so, uh, the sort of a, a state level blue and on theory. It's like blue and on is what I call the QAnon crowd, but of the left, right? The people who spin out conspiracy theories about all of the machinations and motivations and inner workings of Republican uh, party leaders and, and the legislature and all the stuff that they're doing and why they're really doing things. And what do you think it means? You know, these questions that all good conspiracy theorists are adept at asking and never answering, of course. But um, the Blue and On crowd in North Carolina is alive and well. It is strong. It lives in the beating hearts of uh, Scott Huffman and Kyle Parrish. These are perennial candidates for office. They run in solid Republican districts. They get their tuchuses handed to them repeatedly and uh, they just clout chase on social media. And they try to parlay that into appearances on radio shows, on, uh, I think they're trying to get a paid gig on MSNBC as a talking head. Uh, but even MSNBC realizes these, you know, old white guys uh, that are talking foolishness and craziness are even a bit too wacko to bring on MSNBC. So, I don't know. Maybe they'll be successful at some point. I don't know. But so far, no, because part of the problem is, you know, they could not tell me what a woman was. That's a big problem. They could not say when life began, that sort of thing. They would not express any kind of limitation on abortion. I had I, I interviewed him. Now, Kyle Parrish has blocked me. Scott Huffman, uh, all he does is conjure up the Moonbat Brigade and, and sick them on uh, me and uh, you know other people on Twitter whenever you cross him. But he says a lot of stupid things. So I cross them a lot. Anyway, uh, there is a conspiracy theory floating around Democratic circles that Trisha Cotham's party switch was actually planned before she even got into the race in 2022. Thomas Mills, who dabbles a wee bit in the blue and on circles as well. But Thomas Mills, he's a longtime Democrat strategist, political consultant. He's run a bunch of campaigns. He's also run a bunch of times and lost Um He runs a blog, though, called politicsnc.com. And one thing about Thomas uh, that I do uh, I I do respect is that he will um, he will critique the campaign tactics of his own side. Because he, he he's trying to win and as a political campaign consultant, right, this is what he's been doing for years and years. And so, uh, I mean, like decades. So this is what he ostensibly knows. And I know, like I'm saying that he knows what he's talking about on this front, even though Democrats have just been like losing seats left and right for years and years and years. So maybe the joke's on me and he doesn't, but whatever he's, he's got this blog post about this conspiracy theory about Trisha Cotham. Now, before you think he's going to, you know, shed some brilliant insight into uh, what actually happened. No, um, he engages in, uh, personal attacks and smears against Cotham. Um, but he is, but, but he says that because she's not very smart, this is what he says. She's not smart. She's in it for power. She likes attention. And it's because of that, that that's why she changed parties. It had nothing to do with principle and it had nothing to do with any sort of a payment scheme that these 
uh, forward North, uh, forward Carolina uh, leftists are promoting because they are out there promoting this. They're saying that that she was paid because they went and pulled campaign finance reports and they found that she was getting money from from political action committees and the PACs. They spread their money around. And because the Republicans are in control of the legislature, the PACs spend more money on Republicans. This is the case in every state and at the federal level. Right. Unless you are a partisan pack, if you're like a business pack or something, you're spreading that money around and you're putting it into committees and into campaigns for chairmanships and stuff. You're spreading it around to buy goodwill so you can get your legislative agenda passed. I don't like any more than you. Right. But this is this is normal. The Chamber of Commerce, for example, right, they 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 fund Democrats and Republicans. So. The idea that somehow or another these PACs are proof and their donations to Cotham are proof that the fix was in prior to the campaign and the primary and the general election. He said it's all speculative and it's based on thin evidence and a poor understanding of both campaigns and how the legislature works. He says the claim is based on three premises. First, that her primary was funded by Republican-leaning PACs. Second, that she reversed her positions too quickly to have made a party switch that fast, and that she has close relationships with Republican members. So first off, again with the PACs, these were business-oriented PACs. They had relationships with her because she used to be in the legislature for a decade, so they knew her. They were uh, healthcare-related. They were realtors. It was the Port Council. Like, really, the Port Council? Well, I mean, that one's kind of on the nose. Because, you know, politicians, they, they do love bringing home the pork, as, as I mean, as far as I know. That's what I've heard. They give to winners and they give to those in power. They gave to Democrats when they led the legislature. They played in that primary based on personal relationships and, and an understanding that Cotham was more likely to support their agendas than the more progressive candidates. Thomas is exactly right. When you guys on the left put up leftists, that pro-business organizations are going to get very worried about those candidates winning, and they're going to put their money towards the more business-friendly candidate. That doesn't make that business-friendly candidate a Republican or a conservative, right? It just means they're a little bit more open to take your calls. She also got funding from big Democrat donors, too, who, by the way, are also saying that she needs to return that money, which is interesting because, like, on the one hand, they're like, we need to sue her, and she needs to return that money. But on the other hand, they're like, oh, yeah, she was totally paid off. Wait, wait, paid off by the Democrat donors? The other evidence cited is her quick shift from supporting progressive policies to supporting a GOP veto override of the pistol purchase permit. But but she was out at a doctor's appointment. And there were two other Democrats that also took a walk. And this is something that happens, by the way, often where politicians take a walk. All right. Now, given the state of affairs in our country and the world, are you asking yourself whether you're prepared for an emergency? I actually get asked this a lot. My answer, start at Carolina Readiness Supply, 2,000 square feet of supplies, the full line of Augustine Farms and Mountain House Foods, books, water purifiers, lighting, tools, first aid kits, camping and hiking supplies. Being prepared is just smart. Whether you're an experienced prepper or you have no clue what you're doing or somewhere in between, Carolina Readiness Supply can help. 
in Waynesville and online at carolinareadiness.com. Get tickets to the Heritage Life Skills event also. Make a day trip to the mountains and return home fully prepared. Veteran-owned Carolina Readiness Supply. Will you be ready when the lights go out? Talk 1110-993-WBT. Got an email from Jan. I understand not liking tourists. Being from Florida originally, why is it tourist season if you can't hunt them? Oh, that's, well, yes, that's a fair, that's a fair question. Um, that being said, I love your cartapult idea. However, you seem to miss the point in worrying about the landing. The city leaders have the money. Why do they care past that? Right. They are the main reason I live in Candler, right, which is outside Asheville. Thank you, Jan. News Talk 1110 WBT. So Thomas Mills over at his blog, politicsnc.com, uh, he is trying to disabuse members of the left. He is of the left as well. He's a Democrat, and uh, he's trying to disabuse his fellow travelers over there of this blue and on conspiracy theory that Democrat Representative Trisha Cotham from Mecklenburg County changed her party affiliation to be a Republican last week and that she did so because there was some elaborate scheme, some payoff that occurred, some some trick that occurred prior to the election cycle. And Thomas Mill says that's that is unlikely. The reasons why you think that to be the case is because you don't understand her, the legislature, her relationships or campaigning, you don't understand any of this stuff. And so he goes through some of that about like how she had relationships with these people uh, because she used to be in the legislature. She's a more business-friendly kind of a Democrat, uh, and she was running against progressives. That, that scared some donors away. He says that, so the, and here's his, here's his big payoff, okay? Here's the big payoff for trying to talk the leftists off this ledge of conspiracy theories that the Republicans somehow masterminded this whole thing, right? The more likely answer, he says, is that Trisha Cotham has never had any firmly held beliefs. So this is his insulting explanation. I wonder if it's because she's a woman. No, really, guys, you're doing fantastic. You are totally not making her point, right? She says she's, she said she left the Democrat Party because of the abuse that she suffered from her fellow Democrats. And I'm sure it, it sounded nothing like this. Thomas is doing fantastic. Let's, let's take a listen. All right. She had no firmly held beliefs. She's always been a legislator who likes attention and gets it by showing she's a contrarian. She's never had the political skills or intellectual heft to make it into the leadership, so she's responded by undermining them. If she's in the GOP caucus long enough, she'll do the same to them. Finally, Cotham has always had relationships with Republicans, especially those in Mecklenburg County. She used to banter playfully on Twitter with several GOP legislators. She's broken with Democrats several times since Republicans took control of the legislature. She cut deals behind the legis- uh, behind the leadership's back. That's not evidence that she was planning to switch parties from the beginning. Believing that Republicans played the long game by electing a Democrat they knew would switch gives too much credit 
to both the GOP and to Cotham. It also makes the left look as paranoid as the right. Uh, Spoiler alert on that one, Thomas. Y'all are. Yeah, you guys are paranoid. Your entire political philosophy is built on paranoia. Did you know that? It is. See climate change. See gun control. Right? Everything is chicken little. The sky is falling. It's all paranoia. Trisha Cotham, he says, switched parties because she's thin-skinned and self-centered. She has no firm political convictions, and she just got the attention she craves. It's just not that complicated. Right? So... Thomas Mills' big explanation for why it is not the long game is, number one, the Republicans aren't smart enough to pull that off. Number two, Trisha Cotham isn't. And number three, she's a vain, thin-skinned, unintelligent person. (laughs) And that's why she switched parties so she could get attention. That's what it's all about. From Thomas Mills. Again, thereby confirming the very nature of the allegations that she made against her fellow Democrats. Even, even trying to debunk this conspiracy theory, he can't help himself but behave like his fellow Democrats. Yeah, this is, look, I, I have said from the beginning, I have no idea how she's going to vote. I have no, I'm going to wait and see. But um, this, like, It has been remarkable to watch these people just savage their own and confirm all of the accusations that she made against them. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. So what has motivated the conspiracy theories on the left regarding Trisha Cotham? One of them was the uh, pistol purchase permit veto override. I mentioned earlier that uh, Trisha Cotham took a walk. That's what it's called in the General Assembly when you got a vote coming up and you don't want to take a vote. You don't want to cross leadership. You don't want to anger the base. So you take a walk. Right. And there are all sorts of examples of this kind of thing happening. There was like a famous one. Um, the folks at John Locke at their, uh, they, they've started a uh, weekly uh, YouTube uh, show. And uh, uh, Mitch Kokai uh, talked about one several years ago where the guy said he was at the dentist office. He went, he had a dentist appointment and yeah, it was at six thirty at night and people were like, who's what dentist are you going to at six thirty in the evening? But whatever, like this happens all the time. So they just, quote, take a walk. They're not on the floor. A vote is uh, not registered to them. And if you're trying to override a veto, the lack of your presence means that uh, the the three-fifths majority necessary to override the veto is more attainable. Because she wasn't there, and neither was Cecil Brockman and another Democrat. Three Democrats were not there for that veto override. It was an easier vote for the Republicans to get to because they are just one vote shy of a supermajority. And that's what prompted these um, uh, these lefties to allege that there was some sort of uh, conspiracy. Alex Baltzigar at Carolina Journal, he said, my new favorite Twitter conspiracy 
is that Trisha Cotham was a covert Republican all along and that this was eight dimensional chess coordinated by the GOP to achieve a supermajority via a Trojan horse. Maybe the idea is easier to swallow than it being a self-inflicted Democrat wound. I think that is it. See, if you can blame the GOP for doing this machination, then you don't have to look at yourself, right? You, you don't have to do any kind of introspection, self-examination about whether or not you drove her into the arms of another, right? These political action committees that the uh, Forward Carolina group alleges took their cues from GOP leadership, they gave 150 k to Roy Cooper. They gave $140,000 to Democrat House Minority Leader Robert Reeves since 2016. So... Like they're they're labeling all of these packs that gave money to Cotham as packs that take their cues from the GOP, but they're also funding Cooper and the Democrats. But if you go back and look at the history here, in 2019, left-wing groups launched the Disloyal Dems. Remember that? The Disloyal Democrats? They launched this website targeting State Senator Don Davis, along with others, because they were too moderate, because they voted with Republicans too often, even though I think Don Davis was the one that eventually said um, why he flipped his vote from a piece of legislation that he supported when it came through the Senate. He voted for it and then Cooper vetoed it. And then Davis flipped his vote to support Cooper's veto. And Davis flat out said, The reason why I did the flip was because when the governor of your party asks you to sustain his veto, that's what you do. Like, that's the kind of hardball politics Roy Cooper has played. And it's one of the untold stories. It really is. Like, I've said this before, and this is the only explanation that makes any sense to me, is that when all of the political uh, reporters up in Raleigh, you know, when when, when they get onto the beat... They have to make a decision. And like all superpowers, you got to trade something for it. And so they all take the same superpower, apparently, which is to know the motivation of every single Republican lawmaker. You know, racism, sexism, homophobia, Islamophobia, bigotry, all of this, right? So you know automatically what inspires and motivates all Republican lawmakers. But the trade-off is that you can never decipher a motivation for the Democrats. You never, it's just, it's a mystery. It's, we may never know why they did what they did. And so that that's the, the kid glove treatment that the Democrats get, particularly Roy Cooper. And nobody is really interested in figuring it out, which is kind of surprising. The guy, the guy is resuscitated. The closest thing that approximates the Democrat machine that ran this state for 150 years and, and the reporter crews up there don't seem to be very interested or, or maybe they're just unable to. I don't know. Maybe they're unable to, to do a story like that. I don't know. Um, so you have this disloyal Democrats group that launches, they start targeting moderate Democrats. Same year, Cooper operative and Dem party leaders oust the state board of elections chair, Kim Strack. You remember that Kim Strack, who had brought prosecutions against Republicans and Democrats, but she was seen as a straight shooter. She got ousted from her post for politics. Because her husband is Phil Strack. Phil Strack is the lawyer who represents the North Carolina Republican legislative leaders in these lawsuits. That the leaders had to go out and hire 
because the Attorney General's office, Josh Stein, and before that, Roy Cooper, would refuse to represent the state's interests in the lawsuits. And so the legislative leaders, the Republicans, seeing nobody around to defend them and to defend their positions in court, they went out and got themselves a lawyer. And Phil Strack represents them on a many number of cases. And Phil Strack is married to Kim, so Kim had to go. So they fired Kim. Seems kind of sexist to me. It's almost like the woman has no agency, you know, over her own decisions, that she's just doing the bidding of whatever her husband would, would tell her to do or something, but whatever. Then a year later, the Democrats primary Elmer Floyd. He was too moderate. Two years later, they oust Democrat Senator Kirk Devier because he brokered a budget compromise. Cooper didn't like that. So they, they kicked him out. They spent a whole bunch of money trying to punish Devier rather than pushing that money into other districts where maybe they could have had some more success with some more money. And then this year, Robert Reeves, the Democratic minority leader in the House, he threatened primaries against three moderate Democrats who missed that pistol purchase permit vote. Trisha Cotham, Cecil Brockman, and I'm sorry, I forget the third. And then Cotham switched parties. By the way, don't think I forgot about you, Charlotte Observer. Paige Mastin, right? The ICE detention cooperation, that was another measure. That was another measure they attacked uh, Trisha Cotham over. Charlotte Observer's, uh, what is she? Paige Mastin is is an opinion writer. She's an opinion writer covering stories that impact people. Okay. Um, And so... She says, when the North Carolina House voted to require sheriffs to cooperate with federal immigration authorities, the third time in four years it passed such a bill. Three Democrats joined Republicans in supporting the measure. One of the Democrats was Trisha Cotham. House Bill 10 would require sheriffs to notify U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement if they can't determine the citizenship status of someone charged with certain high-level offenses, such as murder, rape, or violations of a domestic violence protective order. (gasps) No, we can't have that. We have to we have got to protect these alleged murderers, rapists and domestic violence abusers. We got to keep them away from ICE. Right. God forbid we get them out of the country or something. The headline on this piece was Mecklenburg Democrat who voted for ICE bill owes her community an explanation. Right. So this kind of these kinds of attacks were coming at Cotham for a while. All right, now you've heard me talk about them. Old Grouch's military surplus. They're expanding with more ways to get your hands on authentic U.S. military surplus items. Go to oldgrouch.com. Check out the links for the online auctions for rare finds and the vintage shop. Unique, really cool items from modern tactical gear to historical collectibles. Tim at Old Grouch's is always finding new stuff. When I started the podcast at the beginning of the pandemic, my first advertiser was Old Grouch's. If you enjoy the show and derive any value from it, I'm hoping that you will consider supporting one of the businesses that make it possible. Lots of gift ideas for that person who loves the military style for fashion or decor. There really is something for everyone at Old Grouch's Military Surplus in beautiful downtown Clyde and online at oldgrouch.com. Got an email from Stan. He says... You touched on one of the main reasons I listen to your show. It's that you continually cross people who say stupid things. (laughs) 
We were clamoring for somebody with a megaphone like you have at BT to do that. Thank you for stepping up. Oh, you're you're welcome, Stan. I'm a giver. And I don't know whether I, uh, maybe I attract the people who say stupid things for a reason. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. So in this piece of the Charlotte Observer, Paige Mastin going after Trisha Cotham before she became a Republican, while she was still a Democrat, talking about this House Bill 10 vote that Cotham supported, which would require sheriffs in the state to notify ICE if they cannot determine the citizenship status of somebody who is charged with certain high-level offenses, like murder, rape, domestic violence, violations like a protective order. It, it is telling the sheriffs you have to cooperate with ICE because some sheriffs, hashtag not all sheriffs, but some sheriffs ran on platforms promising not to cooperate with federal agencies when it comes to deportation of violent offenders. Gary McFadden in Mecklenburg County is one of them, and he plays this clever-by-half game of saying, well, if you give me an order, a lawful order from a judge, then I'll hold them. Knowing that these are civil cases. They're not criminal cases. And so no judge can issue such an order. They tried to offer an administrative order, but Gary wouldn't take it. These sheriffs, don't; they, they won't take it. So the legislature said, you know what? You've now abused the public trust. You can't be trusted. So we're going to pass a law that makes you do this thing that you should already be doing. Governor Ray Cooper, my good friend Ray, he vetoed previous iterations of the bill, but this time the legislation passed the House with enough votes to override the veto. The bill was opposed by more than, this again, Paige Maston at the Charlotte Observer, the bill is opposed by more than 120 local, regional, and national organizations. She doesn't say which ones, but I, I, would, I would guess these are going to run the gamut of like from the far left to the really far left, as well as a number of county sheriffs, that number being very small, by the way. McFadden vowed not to cooperate with ICE since his election in 2018, and he ended the county's 287G agreement. That was his biggest campaign promise. The 287G program implemented by Democrats. But this is how far left the Democratic Party has gone on the immigration issue and how fast they have gone there. It's only been within the last 10 years now. I mean, you had Barack Obama, you had Joe Biden. They were at least paying lip service. Chuck Schumer, Democratic leaders were paying lip service to secure borders, right, to to uh, to stopping the inflow of illegal immigration. And then you get this from Paige Mastin's piece, this this editorial at the Charlotte Observer. She quotes Representative Laura Budd, another Mecklenburg Democrat, who said in the committee debate that the bill is a smokescreen for racial profiling. And that is offered. Right. That is offered up by Paige Mastin as if it is true. Have you entertained the idea, just spitballing here, but maybe Laura Budd is wrong? Maybe she's wrong. Maybe, maybe it's not a smokescreen for racial profiling. It is simply an attempt 
to get violent, unauthorized immigrants out of the country. Has that crossed your mind? That that's the purpose? It's not, it's not racism. It's not bigotry and prejudice. It's trying to get violent offenders out of the community by any, by, by any of these means at our disposal. Is that possible? Is it possible she's wrong? How about this? Is it possible she knows she's wrong and she's just saying it to stoke fear because that's what's going to get them elected? See, once again, I know that when you when you start covering politics, your superpower, you trade in, you know, to get you, you trade in understanding the motives of Democrats. And maybe you could say that I traded it in in the reverse. I can't possibly detect motives among Republicans, although I kind of think I can, <laughs> especially the ones that are obvious about it. But this I but I try to I try to look at the Democrats in the same way. And for some reason, whenever Democrats open their mouths and say stuff, people like Paige Mastin say, oh, yeah, definitely. That's the case. They always work off of this presumption that what the Democrat position is, is the true position. She goes on to say, since being sworn in as a member of the House, Cotham's actions have disturbed some Democrats. Uh, She was one of them. Uh, whose absence allowed them to override the pistol purchase permit, as I mentioned. Stefania Ortega, co-executive director of Carolina Migrant Network, pointed out that Mecklenburg County voters overwhelmingly rejected cooperation with ICE when they elected McFadden in 2018 and 2022. We are outraged by Representative Cotham's decision to vote in favor of HB 10. Her decision to vote in favor of the bill is a slap in the face. To those of us who have... Uh, uh, worked uh, uh, close and how collaboration between sheriffs and ICE harms our community and makes us less safe due to fear of deportation. In other words, we should get to break the law without repercussions. That's what she's saying. That's what this community activist is saying. We should be allowed to break laws that we choose to break without repercussion. By the way, in this piece, uh, it is pointed out Cotham did not respond to multiple requests. But at the very least, she owes her constituents an explanation. Okay, So they reached out. Cotham didn't participate in this column writing. Okay, There was not a single mention in this entire piece in support of or why someone might support the 287G program. You went on a two-page rant and never mentioned why somebody might actually support the 287G program like Democrats did, like they used to, like they implemented here. 